Hello, everybody. Welcome to Dungeons and Diapers, uh, the parenting podcast that brings you uh, geek-tastic explorations and conversations of all your favorite stuff, as well as uh, parenting tips, question mark, dubious parenting tips. That's That should be our slogan, dubious parenting tips <laughs> and geek-tastic. Anyway, whatever. It, it's a, I'm workshopping it. I'm Crofton Sears. With me, as always, is Ryan Murphy. Ryan, how are you doing? You know, I'm surprised we didn't get the bombastic intro that we normally get, and it's a little alarming. Are you feeling okay? Are you all right? I, you know, I've been thinking about this because about intros in mm-hmm. general, and and people are on both sides of of, of this. Like you gra- try to grab people with this this bombastic intro, or in my other podcast, Good Bad. Or bullshit when I do the intro, where there's three of us, so it's every third episode. I have a shtick that I use, and it takes a little bit longer than a normal intro. And I wonder if regular listeners are just like, oh my God, just get to the point. I know we want to get to the meat and potatoes. We don't want all this long, drawn out intro stuff. So, you know, trying trying new things, but now I've spent a lot of time explaining it. So, no, yeah, I, I did that to you. I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah anyway listeners let me know what you think should i be should i go loud or should i go cool i don't know hmm yeah well definitely let us uh, let us know tweet us tweet at crofton he'll appreciate that and yeah. let us know yeah maybe i should make a poll yeah you can make a poll on twitter which would encourage people to tweet at you or around you i don't know my problem with polls yeah. is I have so few followers on Twitter that it's super embarrassing. Like if the numbers, if the number of votes was hidden, then I would do more polls because then then it would just be like these weird percentages or whatever. Although when people see a poll that's seventy five percent yes, twenty five percent no, they can pretty much guarantee it's four votes total. Um, but. Uh, but uh, yeah, like uh, it. But when they show the number, which is what they do, how many votes? Then you put up a poll, and you're like, "Oh God, I got like six votes." I mean, that's pretty sad. So if I didn't put up the poll, then uh, then I don't have to deal with that shaming. So I'll have to think about it, Ryan. Well, I would. Say, I, you know, you say you have limited followers, but you you put a tweet out there for podcast recommendations. You got some good traction on that. Oh yeah, I did. But that was a uh, <laughs> that was using the hashtag podcast. One thing that's funny about that, Ryan, is like, you know, <laughs> we we are both amateur podcasts, yeah. podcast professionals, if you will. Um, and uh, and so when you ask the internet or the Twitter for um, podcast suggestions, and you use the hashtag podcast, you get every Joe Blow like us and their mother who is like. Oh, you're looking for a great podcast? How about mine? You know, like hmm. and, uh, and that that to a certain extent, I do I don't want to uh, dissuade them, but I did find it funny because I didn't even mention what sort of type of podcast I was into. So some people were like, "Here's a medical podcast on like where we dissect medical terms with a humorous bent," and I'm like, "Okay, I I don't know why you would think that I would like this, but whatever." Um, and then other times. 
it would be my question was what's an episode of a podcast because people will refer reference podcasts but they won't necessarily reference individual episodes and that's kind of what i was looking for i don't i i didn't have the time to devote to a whole new podcast i just wanted like what's a good episode and if somebody's like oh you should just listen to the latest episode of this show i'm like well no that doesn't do it for me it's got to be a really notable episode of 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 a particular show. And I did find one, which we will talk about maybe a little bit in the dungeon section. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds great. I'm glad you, and then, yeah. Uh, should we be like trolling the hashtag podcasts? Like I, I don't, uh, I, I've never heard a success story of using a hashtag. That's because usually that, that stuff is just uh, either used for tracking or for tracking. Really? I mean, <laughs> That's... I mean, there's so I I think podcast would be one of those few hashtags that some people are actively, like, especially if you're a small potato podcast that you're you're taking a look at or maybe monitoring and you're trying to like, you know, actively target because these are people that are actively saying like, hey, you should listen to this podcast, and I don't know if they write or, or writing scripts because some of them didn't seem like really personalized tweets. They seemed more like they had. As soon as somebody used the hashtag podcast, they, you know, they, they immediately tweet at them and say, say, uh, you should listen to X podcast. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. It's all part of the marketing. Depends how much time you want to put into marketing, Ryan. Maybe yeah. we should hire a firm. Yeah, a firm to uh, to make sure people, you know what? I don't, uh, I, I, I remember, okay, this is reminding me of, it's not necessarily an automated thing, but. Do you remember Future Shop? This is only going to, this conversation is going to, is going to mean something to everyone, but in terms of the term Future Shop, that's really only going to mean something to Canadians. Although I guess. Ryan, I, I always love to see what the future had in store. (laughs) Love it. Okay. So remember when Future Shop closed down in Canada, it was kind of a big deal. Uh, I think they were part of their same company as Best Buy, but they closed all the Future Shops. And some future shops were converted to Best Buys. I remember hearing the news about Future Shop closing, and I tweeted out, you know, ah, man, I'm really going to miss Future Shop. I it's, was the technology store that I, as you said, I, I shopped for the future, or shopped in the future, or whatever it was. What was it again? Remind me. See what the future has in store? See what the, yeah, see what the future has in store. So I tweeted that, and, you know, I there might have been like a, I don't know if there was like a, a, a like a side note of like I hope everyone everyone's jobs are okay locally, and I got a tweet back from a locally owned electronics store, and they're like, "Hey, well, if Future Shop closes, you'll always have us. We're local, support local." And I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, so best case scenario, you're like, uh, you're, you're 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 the vulture of the worst case scenario. You're the vulture here, and you're coming in like, oh, bet future shops closing. Now's our chance. You know, let's jump in and 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 make sure everyone knows that we exist, uh, because you know you can still buy electronics at our store. You know, but I'm thinking to myself like, people could be losing their jobs, and I don't know if that's like to to me that's good marketing because it really feels like you're just you're picking at the bones here and and sure enough it didn't matter because that future shot was converted to a best buy but it really upset me getting that tweet really? i was like i don't want to shop there i don't want to shop at your store anymore 
Like, See, future future shop, and just for our American listeners, I think uh, it was in uh, America as well, but it it, it shuttered it, a while ago. It might have been, but it was definitely. I, I remember when I was in high school, where it mm-hmm. essentially became big, and and we didn't have Best Buy in, in Canada. I'm not sure when that came to the states or whatever, but there was a period of time, like probably a a good five years plus where we had Best Buy and Future Shop. And at least in Ottawa, they were often right next to each other in the way that car dealerships are. And so it was always kind of like this, this redundancy. And then Best Buy bought Future Shop and owned them both. And then it became really dumb. Uh, and then eventually shuttered, shuttered Future Shop. So Future Shop to me, though, was like, you know, because Best Buy wasn't here for a really long time. So Future Shop was like that fun, crazy store. Oh, it had all the video games. It had all this fun stuff. I would always love to go into a Future Shop. But I always considered it a big box store. So to your point, like when it when it when a big retail chain goes out of business, yeah, it's sad. People lose their jobs and so forth. But if a local guy is like, oh, you know, like Future Shop's out of business now, uh, you know, go with us. It's not like Sal's Future Shop future you store future shop again yeah i was in future shop again uh, sal's future s- store um went out of business and like you're then 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 best buy is like hey you like sal's well you'll really like us we're like them except m huge multinational conglomerate but um but the, this is the opposite where you have this huge box store that went under and then you have the a little local mom and pop store that's picking the bone. So it doesn't bother me as much as it clearly bothers you. Well, it's not like, I get it. I get it. Uh, you're, you're scrappy, you're small. And, and, you know, I think supporting local is important for sure. Especially now. Uh, it just felt a little, a little too much. Like there are avenues for advertising and I don't think that's one of them. Like you, obviously can um through through the closure of of future shop and and this is a weird tangent but through the closure of future shop and the open and the transition to best buy take out more ads do more radio do that you don't need like i get it sending a tweet costs you zero dollars and that's important for the bottom line but like there's a way to do what you just did without appearing to be of i don't know it bothered me um and uh, I'm, I guess I'm still not over it. I think I am over it though, because honestly, so, Best Buy yeah. showed back up. It's fine. We we survived. So, two final thoughts on Future Shop. <laughs> right. uh, okay. Yeah, one, uh, I checked while you were talking, and and to no no one's surprise, it has a satire uh, Twitter account at Future Shop Can, um, which uh, <laughs> it uses the Future Shop logo, and it has a a fake satire uh, Instagram account as well. So that's great. great. But the other, the other thing that I, it, I, I thought was hilarious about future shop is that when it opened, um, when I was a kid in high school, it looked like what I guess, you know, the mid nineties thought the future looked like. Yes. Like it looked, it looked, there's a red and rounded (laughs) corners. Yeah. Red, (laughs) red, rounded corners. Like the fast forward sign was like their logo. They had like, anyway, it's very much of, you know, of the time, but, but the big joke was like, you know, their slogan was come see what the future has in store. And it always had the latest and greatest shit. Right. But, but then as years went by, normally these giant companies, 
every five, six, seven years, they go through a, a you know creative overhaul. They change their logo or they change colors. They make, and especially if you're in the world of like making it look like you're a fancy schmancy future place you'd think you would do this but no they never did it so year year after year they became progressively more dated and it was it was almost hilarious the point at the end when i would go into future shop the doors would open and i would walk in and i would laugh out loud mm-hmm. like i would i just could not control my laughter and the other thing was all the cashiers had um the oldest possible computers uh, to to check you out on like they had black and white like XT computers like they had the oldest shit so they're selling all these new new laptops or whatever and they had like black like two color s- screens like green and black uh, screens and all everything in the sco- store screams dated and, and except they have these giant banners that say come see what the future has in store anyway it makes me laugh so much just thinking about it they went out of business yeah they did and uh <laughs> and i think we're doing more we we've talked more about future shop than anyone has in the last three or how, however long it's been since they shut down so i i know they appreciate the ghost of future shop appreciates us summoning it um best buy not so much <laughs> best buy is like hey come on they're dead leave them <laughs> just for the for the record the uh the future shop that uh that is next to the best buy near my house has for uh multiple years since been like a halloween store but only around the halloween period with, oh. like gosh with i love the zombie halloween stores that just pop up around halloween yeah. we have those here too and they're always it- popping up in like <laughs> defunct stores that have closed <laughs> Right. So for a long time, and I was just like, how How the hell? Like, because for the rest of the year, there's nothing there. It's just the Halloween store that pops up like a month before <laughs> Halloween. But now, like, Amel's Lastman's, uh, I guess, mattress. I'm not sure. It's like what Mayor Lastman from Toronto, he had, he had this, this mattress chain. Hmm. They've just opened one in the future shop. But of course, they've changed it. Like, those buildings are kind of like designed to be future shops. So you look at them and you're still like, no, that's a future shop. Uh, but anyway, whatever. I They immediately converted our our future shop to a Best Buy because we didn't have a Best Buy in town. But I remember where I, grew, where I went to high school in Belleville, they had a future shop across from a Best Buy or very, very close. And, and the future shop closed down. And I think I can't remember what it became, um, it, and it might be vacant. Like again, you're right. It's such. It, it, it's it's. I remember when Zellers closed actually here in Peterborough. Speaking of other brands that uh, were red and, and <laughs> rounded corners, um, <laughs> and in Canadian, and, and yeah. very Canadian. Uh, yeah. That Zellers closed down, and the only reason that huge, giant footprint was filled was because we have two WalMarts now. <laughs> <laughs> I hate. See, here's the thing. I I I I love I love. I love shopping, but I hate big box stores. I hate, I hate, I just, I don't like shopping, I guess. I don't know. Except your precious future shop. If somebody tweets on them, you're going to take it out on them. This was years ago. This is, so I I know I'm not helping my case by saying that. This is years ago. And I just remember it. And damn, I have a podcast. I have a platform. I'm going to talk about it. Look, shop local, everyone. I'm not saying don't shop local, but if you're going to shop local, don't reward people who like, who who snipe tweet it's just not nice okay that's all i'll say that's all i'll say all right I let's move this, on I, I think this episode should be called come see what the future has in store yeah well okay <laughs> you go ahead and move us into the next topic i'll write that down 
<laughs> All right. Okay. So uh, r- let's let's uh, let's start in the dungeon. Let's start in the dungeon. Yeah. Sure. Um, it, it will, we will move in. Uh, move along. Move along, as uh, the stormtroopers would tell me. Um, I can. I can. I can start up here. Um, I am. Uh, I've been on vacation, so uh, we rented a cottage for like a, a week, not too far out of town. Uh, and we went there. So I picked up my a Nintendo Switch, mm-hmm. um, and I was looking for a game. And I got into this um, argument with myself. And this is this is something that happens every so often based on my overwhelming cheapness. Well, not overwhelming, but fairly whelming at the very least. Um, is is the fact that uh, I don't? So I don't own Zelda Breath of the Wild for the Switch. I got uh, at launch switches were were kind of in high demand, and so I bought uh, a Wii U and the Zelda Breath of the Wild because that's all I I desperately wanted to play it. I hadn't pre ordered anything, whatever. So so I bought the I bought a Wii U which I hadn't owned up until that point just to play Breath of the Wild, and I have Breath of the Wild on Wii U, um, but I never finished it, which. I got very, very far. I did a lot, but I, I just, I never got around to finishing it. And every once in a while, I'm like, oh, I really should pick that game back up or, or play it or what have you. Uh, but I'd have to connect my Wii U. And the, and obviously, it's not portable in the same way that the Switch does. So I get into this thing where I'm like, oh, should I buy Breath of the Wild? But I own it. I own the that game. Um and it looks the exact same on Wii U as on Switch, and it's eighty bucks in Canada to buy a new Switch game. And I know that Breath of the Wild is worth it once, but like to buy it a second time. So I hemmed and hawed and hemmed and hawed, and in the end, I did not buy it. But if you guys, if if Ryan, do you have any opinion on on a double buying games period, and b, uh, you know, uh, double buying games for the Switch in particular? Mm, as a Nintendo fan, a longtime Nintendo fan, I I, I know the pain of purchasing games over and over again. Uh, mind you, not full-priced $80 games. And I think yeah. Breath of the Wild is one of those games similar to... Is there So first of all, is there a game that I've purchased twice for the Switch? I don't think there... Well, sorry, there is. It's uh, Mario Kart Deluxe. Uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. I, that was one of the few games that I purchased twice full-price. Um, and, and I purchased all the DLC on the Wii U as well. So theoretically. I could just hook up the Wii U and play the exact same game. But I think the prospect of the Switch being able to play the game portably is, you know, makes the, it improves the value of the product. So it definitely we, does if you're going to use that functionality. Right. But I was only going to use it for, say, the cottage week. And even then, like, I'm not sure how much. And then I would be back to being at home. And we're in COVID time. So I'm going to be like, I'm not going to be playing Breath of the Wild anywhere except my house where I have the Wii U version, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I think Breath of the Wild is one of those games that is so did you finish it on Wii U? I guess is my first question. No. No, okay. I didn't. But I beat all of the legendary beasts and I just really needed to go to Ganon's castle and I never did. I, so like that game that game is just if you liked it, I think you loved it. I think it's one of those games where you you fell on either side where you loved it or you had you had issues with it that kept you from 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 loving it. Um, I know there are folks that hated it, but I really really. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's a there's a lot in there that kind of stacks up against it. And if you let it get to you in a way that 
or sorry, I shouldn't word it that way. If not that it should <laughs> let it get to you. I think if, if there's certain, there's a few aspects of that game that can really stack against you and, and in a way where you might not enjoy it. So for example, the weapon breaking, the right, right. climbing aspect, uh, you know, the weather can sometimes cause issues like sort of the random effects that I found to be, uh, I I use those to my advantage to have fun, like the weather and climbing, and I I I thought it added to it added a new element to a game to to a formula we've been playing since the NES or at least the N sixty four. So I enjoyed that, but I know a lot of other people who wanted classic Zelda didn't really like that. And funny enough, those were the same people who didn't like Skyward Sword, even though that was very classic Ocarina Zelda with Waggle. So again, like it. Zelda's a weird franchise that if you if you try to make the product that you know everyone wants and then you Nintendo it by by adding a layer that fits within the platform, for example, the waggle in Skyward Sword, um, that's where you can really send away some hardcore fans of the franchise. So, yeah. but if you enjoyed Breath of the Wild and you want to purchase it again, like yeah, and I know it sounds like you already did. No, I didn't. I didn't, oh, didn't purchase it again. Oh, okay. So, you know, well, I would say yeah, it's a, it's a worthy product. There's a DLC expansion now that you could probably get. Yeah. Um, so no, I think it is, but it's like again, I have the exact game, and I have the same issue with Mario Kart, which I have on Wii U as well, um, and I don't own that for the Switch, and it is the most sold Switch game still. Animal Crossing hasn't beat it yet, but like, I uh, you know, like for me, and that one is a little bit more justifiable. If I had people to play play it with more regularly, I don't have the DLC for Mario Kart, the extra tracks and all that, so I could justify it. But Zelda is a one for one, the exact same game that I already own on Wii U, and mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. So for anyway, I I struggled with that. I I brought it up more as a conversation topic in the sense that I was curious what you thought. I'm curious to what the listeners think with regards to double buying, especially Nintendo games, and especially from the Wii U to Switch generation which is seeing a lot of like a lot of ports. I think the most egregious at one point is Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, where you could literally get it like in Shoppers Drug Mart or something for like 15 bucks on Wii U. And they were selling it for like, I don't know, $79.99 on Switch or whatever. So, and it's the exact same game. So in that case, it's sort of an easy call for me. I would just get the Wii U version. But in this case, it's like one of the greatest games of all time. I think a lot of people agree. I definitely enjoyed it. And I was like, but do you double buy the exact game just to have it, you know, portably? I would if the situation warranted it, but I I didn't see that it did. So what I did instead was I looked at my existing Switch library. And I I, and I was like, what what have I dropped off of? Is there something that I could I, I I um i uh played with the idea of starting a new fire emblem house uh because uh i had only done one of the houses on that in in that game but then in the end i i realized that like hollow knight which is a game that i have on pc and on switch so they're already a double buy that i haven't finished on either and that i dropped off on either but yet seems to on paper tick all the boxes that i would like because i'm a huge fan of the metroidvania style of game where you explore an environment but you're blocked by certain things you get a piece of gear and then you use it to pass to you know to pass through that area and um 
And it was just during the cottage period where I finally like I it clicked for me where I was like, okay, I'm into this game now. Like this is this is fun. I understand. And I picked up where I was, which I don't I normally I restart, but I had already restarted Hollow Knight once before. I felt like if I did again, I would just end up in the same spot. So I just tried to pick it up, which was kind of challenging because it's this big a sprawling underworld map and you don't really know where you are and all this and so i sort of re-explored areas and that was fun in and of itself but yeah that's a great game i really i if if you like sort of exploration polished uh uh platforming uh challenge all of that it's a it's it's a good one i'm not sure ryan have you played hollow knight i I, I tried to. Uh, it's on Xbox yeah. Game Pass, and I tried to play it. And there's something I love Metroidvania games, but there was something about it that early on in the game, and this is the problem with Game Pass. It's very easy to bounce off older games in that, in that you're you've got so much choice. It's like Netflix; like you have so much choice that if you're playing something that's older, and it's not that old, but if you're playing something that's older and there's a bunch of new, fresh stuff, it's like okay. This isn't doing it for me right now, so I'm going to bounce out. It was very much like a quick 20 minutes. I didn't like the way that the the character sort of moved, I think, was, was my problem with it. And again, I could be completely wrong here and willing to be convinced, which I I there's another game that I picked up this week or last week that was that I picked up solely because I was avoiding it uh, for a couple of reasons. And uh, your discussions on the Gamers Inn actually swayed me to the other side, and, and I'm playing it and enjoying it. But Hollow Knight, is it? Is was I? Am I wrong? Like, should I go back to that? I feel like oh, well, I'm wrong. See, I you are wrong, uh, and uh, but but I'm not saying that you should go back to it because of because of that because I again bounced off it twice, and uh, like the critical consensus surrounding the game and is so overwhelmingly positive when when i bought the first version for pc it was an unknown game i i had stumbled upon it and i bought it the same week i think i bought ori in the blind forest which is another metroidvania i love those i, I love both yeah, those ori games well i and i haven't played the second ori game very much but i played the first one and and when i was playing them i was playing them at the same time like literally i had two games they're both metroidvanias i had bought them both uh, at the same time and ori was just uh so much more it, it accessible um it was my jam i got into it and then ironically a third metroidvania dead cells i ended up buying around this uh, and I, I jumped from ori to dead cells and i got really into dead cells and i was and so so those but hollow knight i i I tried to get into, and then I, I bounced off. And then again, when I got up for the Switch and it was on sale, and I, I bounced off again. Um, and uh, it is inspired heavily by Dark Souls. So if you don't like that type of game, then you can be put off by it as well. Like it's one of those things where you die, you've got to get back to your body and reclaim it uh, to get your money back. Otherwise, um, you know, you're going to lose it all if you die again. And that adds a level of stress. It's also a much more expansive game than Ori is uh, and that most traditional Metroidvanias are. But I do think like as it goes on and now I'm starting to get pieces of the gear, you know, when you start getting powered up and like mm -hmm. things start feeling better, you start knowing exactly how things work. It, it It is good, but I wouldn't give it a universal recommendation. You have to put in the time and 
you know, like a, a, that might not be everybody's jam. Definitely, you're right about Game Pass. It it, it wasn't wouldn't reflect too well there. I'm gonna guess by the game that you purchased based on my somewhat description. You're talking about Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I I, uh, I picked it up. I first of all, I think we talked a bit about it on the Gamers in episode, and and we did. I did post it to this feed, so hopefully everyone was able to check that out. But the reason I was avoiding it is it sounded like a collectathon video game ass video game and um not sure if i wanted another one of those and then you would you would describe the combat because the combat to me didn't look appealing samurais not my 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 jam but then you described the combat as sort of a cross between batman and the older assassin's creed games which i very much love both i would also go a bit further to say the combat and the parry system and the way you have to control you have to kind of switch your stances feels a little little dark soulsy and that you have to have a strategy for every type of enemy you're coming after now it's much more forgiving than than um than dark souls but i've i've really i've been enjoying it my one complaint and i know this goes against the entire genre of what it's basing its content on is that it's too serious for me not i know i just came off the last of us part two which is which is a serious game and and a very uh very sad one as well but i just found that ghost of shima so far has been it takes itself way too seriously for my for my liking of of the content I, like even the last of us part two it has its moments of levity and even in ghost of shima it's very far and few between do you get anyone cracking jokes which is the samurai way don't get me wrong you know like they take them they are very serious um but it, it's almost kind of come full circle and that it's so serious that i kind of find it funny <laughs> so uh oh yeah it is funny that you mentioned that is that something i considered uh, but it, it did strike me at the very beginning when they're you know like they're trying to tell this epic tale at a certain point but they're also doing the framework of an open world video game with fast travel and all of these different different things um you do meet some side characters that are kind of like the 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 equivalent of in like grand theft auto when you'd meet a goofy you know kind of somewhat of a joke side character that you might do quests with for a while or whatever but you are right it is it is a serious uh it is a serious game it's one that honestly um i'm enjoying more as time goes on so like i thought i was gonna drop once i saw all its tricks i thought i was gonna sort of drop on it a bit but i've kind of um i've now reached act two in that game and it it takes a long time to do that. And you can spend a lot of time doing side quests in act one. Um, I've gotten, you know, three of the four stances or whatever. I'm, I'm close to unlocking the last stance. Uh, and it's just the fighting. I, I just find genuinely fun. Um, the problem is I do not think of like, I think what the last of us d- did was try to make you think that the people that you are murdering are are real people uh mm-hmm. with with stories and all this in in ghost of tsushima like even though it is very violent um in many ways i'm just like i don't even i don't see these mongols that you're fighting against as real people at all in fact like i really like the combat system but you could make them robots or whatever and it would make it mean you know no no different to me um it doesn't bother me that my dude will go into a camp and like beat like 
40 dudes because that would be completely unrealistic in real life. But in the video game reality, I'm just like, no, that's cool. I'm like, I can deal with that. I was actually sad when the last one died because it means I have to like walk around to find another combat encounter, you know, because mm-hmm. I, because it, because I enjoy that element of the game so much. So no, I've been, I've really been enjoying the combat encounter. And in terms of taking itself seriously at the very beginning, one thing that it does a lot too, is that the whole idea is that you're this straight lace samurai and that you start to resort to these underhanded tactics and become the ghost of Tsushima. And um, when you do like the, the game forces you into using stealth and these secret kills and all of this. And then when it does, it really shames you for it. Like it says like, Oh, you are using, you know, you are going against the code of the samurai and you have your mentor who <clears throat> who comes in and rubs it in your face and stuff uh, in, in, in flashback form. And then you, you know, like uh, you feel bad, like you feel bad using these stealth tactics. And I know I did. I was like, oh, uh, you can go in and you can just challenge people straight up. And I tried to do it and live the way of the samurai. But then at one point, I'd say three quarters of the way through act one, I, they put me in some sort of story mission where there was literally no choice. I had to use stealth and then I started doing it and I was like, you know what? Why do I care? I'm like, this is just a video game. What is fun for me? And I'm like, the stealth stuff is fun. Like there's all these, there's all these things, gameplay mechanics. I'm not even using from some sort of misguided role play that I'm some sort of samurai, whatever the game is trying to make me this ghost of Tsushima. I'm like, I'm just going to go hog wild and do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. And when I made that choice, when I switched that switch in my brain, it became way more fun. And I'm not saying I just did stealth uh, because I definitely did not, but I would mix it up and then it just doubled the amount of moves and things that you could do. And anyway, I I enjoyed it a lot more uh, uh, since that point. But I'm at a point in the game, not to ruin the story, where they've started to shame you again. Um, And uh, I'm just like, oh, my God. But now I'm angry at the game for doing that. And it's not the game. I'm angry at certain characters for doing it because i'm just like come on you idiots like we're 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 trying to save this place anyway whatever yeah i uh, the shaming stuff like again because that's where i found it funny you know it was the game was so serious that i was like okay this is hilarious because i'm doing like you said i'm doing what the game wants me to do and i'm being you know berated for it and i'm just I, i i found it quite quite hilarious but i the combat i'm really enjoying the combat the traversal got a, a bit getting used to, but there's some moves. I think it's the the roll after you do a big jump that really helps kind of open that up. But I'm I'm digging it. Like I'm and I'm loving the side stuff. Like it doesn't. I was worried it was gonna. A lot of people described it very derogatory, and that it's like, oh, you go this way, you kill five bandits, you complete the quest. And there are those. But what I really enjoyed, and they might not just be side quests, but it. Uh, I've done a couple of like the mythic tales where you have to kind of follow a path and do, you know, look at a picture and and find the area. I've actually really enjoyed those and I'm still working my way through it. I'm, I'm, I'm still in act one. Um, Act one appears to be very spread out and then it, it, it's, it gives you the five things you need to do to progress, but it's very much like, here's a bunch of all this other stuff you can do. So yeah. And honestly, I would do that stuff. Like I, I, pushed it forward and i regret having done that as early like and i didn't even do it early uh but there's some quests that i would have wanted to do there's actually whole areas because it's like 
ever since Grand Theft Auto 3. Grand Theft Auto 3, they they broke up the open world, the first major open world video game into three islands and you couldn't get to other islands until you got to certain points in the story here it's the same deal you can't get to certain areas until certain points in the story and it's very possible to get to act two and the next area without visiting many of the area in act one like uh, the story is only going to take you to certain places yeah no i'm 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 i was actually just playing it before we uh we were talking and i love the visuals i love the music again i'm not i'm not a huge samurai this is gonna sound weird i'm not a huge samurai person but i love uh i was very interested in japan from a historical standpoint when when i was in high school and and uh you know in my history class you know doing a lot of work there i specifically remember and this is gonna sound like i didn't like uh learning about japan but i remember we had an option to do a paper I chose to do it on Japan and it might have been like I think it might have been World War II related I can't remember but I remember like waking up in the shower I was so stressed about this this essay and I woke up in the shower and I I realized like I kind of snapped awake I'm like wait why am I in the shower the alarm didn't go off I step out of the shower it's two in the morning uh I think the essay was getting to me but I still I still loved learning a lot about that country and its history so playing this in again you'd think i'd be more into samurai uh films and i i i'm really digging the visuals um again it's just you were right the main character he's he's so serious and he has one I tone gonna, i i was gonna tell you but i was gonna say that as well like i i'm further along in the game and the main character has still not endeared himself Ugh, to me really? in any way no. uh like he's just he is what he is and like he, i know that he's a hollywood actor um and they base themselves uh, uh, on a likeness and i like seeing like not just him but there's so many asian characters uh in, in this uh video game and it's it's rare like for a Hollywood feature or a video game, if you said like every character is going to be an Asian character and you're going to like, I, I think that that is still a novelty for um, a lot of major Western games and Western made games in particular. So I think that's really cool, but it's just like ever since Assassin's Creed learned the lesson of switching like Altair for Ezio and making an interesting character and Red Dead Redemption with John Marston and Arthur Morgan and like these characters that you just are like, you ride, ride with them and you feel with them and you, you know, and you like you identify somewhat with their struggles, but also their charisma resonates with you. And um, you have like the late, the, 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 all the three mafia games, you have these, these protagonists that you, you care about. And then in, in this game, I'm just like, Eh, you know, whatever. Like he's just a samurai dude, and he doesn't look particularly cool either. Like he doesn't have a a, a huge like scarred face or like have some sort of distinguishing, you know, uh, feature. Like I, when he's not wearing a mask, if you give him a mask, then he's like he's just some dude, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm gonna keep playing. Um, I I I enjoy their commitment to to displaying this uh this this vision of what a samurai video game could be and how they don't they do not back down from it and again that's coming from someone who doesn't know a lot about the genre so and from what i've been hearing online and what you told me is that people have been some very accepting of of this product even though it is a a western game um based on like a 
like Japanese culture, right? So that that is also a good thing that it's been received well. I haven't read any um, sort of negative feedback on the game. I think it's been purely purely positive on that front. But I'm I'm enjoying it. It's kind of and it's kind of my relaxation game a little bit, which is which is weird because if I'm if I'm in the mood to progress and do combat, I can do that. But if I'm just kind of like I got an hour, two hours, or just finish a podcast and need to wind down. I can just do the the question marks. I can just go do things that I know are going to be traversal, chasing foxes, that sort of thing. So it's it's uh it's nice. Plus, you get to see his butt whenever he goes into the hot springs, which is a nice bonus and quite surprising. Honestly, I did not see them doing that, and they did it. So, a plus, Kudos right? To them, yeah. Question mark. Hey, you know what? It's all good. Sweet. As a follow-up to our preamble about me looking for a, a podcast episode uh, to listen to, I may have mentioned this before, but there's this podcast called Reply All, and uh, Reply All is a podcast where ostensibly is it's about these two guys that that um, that solve kind of internet problems, if you will. Uh, but really, it's about humans and storytelling and. Um, it's about journalists going on sort of kind of humorous but interesting adventures um and i had watched one ep- one episode went viral around this time of the covid uh, outbreak in 2020 uh, early 2020 around march um the case of the missing hit and i would say to i think i mentioned it on this this podcast before but especially if you are of my age which is like you know you were a teenager in the 90s or I'm 40 now or whatever, um, then it may resonate with you even more. But essentially, uh, it is about that singular episode is about this guy who gets a song, has a song stuck in his head that he says was a big hit in the 90s. And, uh, and they cannot find it on the internet. And it's driving him nuts. And people think that he's crazy. And, and so the report, this reporter helps him uh, because there's this black hole era. Now everything is on the internet, but like in the 90s, before the internet was ev- ubiquitous, um, there were certain things that might not be on it. Anyway, bottom, bottom line is it's an extremely uplifting and really cool story. So if you're going to listen to one, just listen to that. And that's what I listened to earlier this year. But I listened to uh, a three-part episode uh, called, um, uh, uh, what is it, Long Distance, and it was originally done in 2018, and it was the same guy who did Missing Hit, and this time, uh, Ryan, I'm not sure if you, this has ever happened to you, you get a call um, and on your phone, and it's a 1-800 number, and they leave some sort of automated voice message that says, you're account has been compromised please call us at blah 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 and leave some sort of phone number yeah. i get these for fairly regularly right now um anyway he he called back uh he called the number and essentially at least decides that he wants to find these like figure out what the scam is find the scammers inter- interview them and it, it leads to him going to India and all sorts of crazy stuff. It's a it's a really really cool ad- adventure, and it's heavily produced, heavily put together, scripted, research the whole nine yards. But if you're just looking for something like you're mowing the lawn or you want to get lost in something, I really I I can't get like I, at this point I listened to four episodes. I could probably say that the whole podcast is worth it. 
But uh, these ones are notable episodes of that particular show. Reply all. I totally recommend it. Uh, it's not as good as this show, obviously. Nothing no. is. But like, I mean, it's, it, it is a good supplement to this show. We, uh, uh, we travel to India for research often. Often. All the time. Yeah. I'm not going to say like what the definition of the opted is, but I would say in the last two years, we've uh, thought about it. Uh, we've definitely thought about it before. <laughs> So uh, for Reply All, the, it's the long distance episode. And there was, an, what was it, Missing long Hit? Long distance? Said? The case of the missing hit. The yeah. case of the missing hit. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and they have a couple of choice episodes on their site that they recommend. But it's a really easy listen, really fun. And uh, yeah, no, I just, I'm, I, uh, I'm often, like, it's, an, it's a series that you don't need to listen to every, like, it, it's not like a, where they're talking like we do every week. Um, it's really they're doing these research pieces so you can go back like i did and listen to a story in 2018 and what's cool about the case uh, about long distance the 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 one where he calls the um, the scammers is that there's there's it was two parts but it happened 2 years ago and in that time uh people started reaching out and like more leads came up i guess mm -hmm. and so they did a follow up in late 2019 based on more information that they received so i actually benefited from listening to it later because i was able to get an epilogue that i wouldn't have gotten otherwise right and made it more more satisfying uh because that's one thing about these true research you know the case of the missing hit is very satisfying but there's no guarantee when they go down these rabbit holes in it that they're going to lead to to a satisfying resolution um, and that's one thing I, with the Netflix's Unsolved Mysteries, I was trying to watch that with my wife. I just couldn't get into it because every time I knew that the mystery was not going to be solved. It's right in the know? title, like, so, right? It's right in the title. So. If it was solved, it'd be like, oh, what a twist. Uh, yeah, I think I there's a great, you know, talking about podcasts, this isn't going to fix your Unsolved Mysteries problem. But Netflix has a podcast specifically relating to their um to their crime stuff to their crime content so unsolved mysteries and other documentaries and, and specials and stuff so they have i oh god i knew i i was just adding those other shows to my uh uh to my podcatcher okay so you can't make this up as the podcast and i've been listening to all the episodes based on the unsolved mysteries episodes and they've been kind of really cool not only looking looking at this the mystery but also diving into the producer and director's sort of view on the mystery and you know what it was like talking to um the victim's families and how their stories fit in and their theories and it was a really cool well it's essentially it's an after show um that's podcast, cool yeah but it's got that all the people who were involved in it so it's very much um it's and it's very well produced i, I i've I listened, I've, I think I've listened to them all except for the UFO one, um, because, I mean, it's just, it's, it's uh, very different from the other other episodes, but it's also a good one if you really liked Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, man, that is, that is a, a good wreck, because uh, maybe it has the, the, the uh, resolution to the mysteries. It maybe doesn't. they're like, hey, let's, <laughs> let, let's, do a, let's do a show called Unsolved Mysteries, and we'll put the, the answers to the mysteries in the podcast sort of like those mystery kid books i read where you'd have a mystery and the answer would be written upside down at the end encyclopedia well, brown shout out to you buddy yeah no big big shout out no uh but the thing about unsolved mysteries is when it was a show back when we were kids and, and before they had update 
sort of segments where they did talk about a, a solution to an unsolved mystery. And I know, um, you know, I've, I've, I subscribed to the subreddit for it. And uh, there's a volume two to Netflix's unsolved mystery coming um, in October. And they did say the producers did say if, if any, if there were any breaks in any cases, they would add sort of that. Um, if there was any breaks, they wouldn't add it to the show, but they have a website that they're keeping up to date with news stories related to a lot of the unsolved mysteries. And sure enough, like there are little, you know, notes that pop up on that website and the subreddit about like, Hey, this person was finally arrested. This person's been convicted. And and these are stories from the nineties version of the show. So we're playing the long game. The solutions, the unsolved mysteries aren't, aren't happening, but they're, it's happening in real time. You know, they've opened up cases they exhumed um, one of the bodies uh, of the victims on the show uh, to kind of take another crack at the case. The FBI is offering a, a large reward. Again, not going to help you with your current situation, but if you just remain patient and wait for the uh, the uh, the long, slow arm of the law, we'll we'll get there, right? We'll get there. I hope, at least. For uh, sure, for yeah. sure. I I uh, I'm gonna tip my wife off to those because she loves that true crime. Oh yeah, she dig well. it. And, and she's she's totally plowed through the unsolved mysteries without me, uh, while I've been plowing <laughs> through uh, samurais with my blades. Yes, very much so. Uh, um, shall we move on to the diaper section, Ryan, of this program? Yes, we do. Uh, the one thing I wanted to you know kick off with, and we we teased this on the Gamers Inn last time we talked, was uh, Paper Mario and the situation with Bobby, right, the bomb. And I feel like this conversation is going to, it warrants a spoiler warning, although it's Paper Mario, so um, take that for what you will. It, it does, this conversation does warrant a spoiler warning. Uh, I do want to talk about it, but if you're intending to play Paper Mario, the Origami King, there is a plot point. It happens early enough in the game, but it, it's still like you're, you've got at least two worlds behind you so like you're you're pretty invested in this point if you don't want anything spoiled i know kotaku ran an article on this as this scene as well and they um and they said like let's discuss that paper mario scene or something along those lines uh so just you know you might want to skip ahead five minutes if you don't want to be spoiled anything yeah I'll, i'll make a note in in the show notes to let you know when you can jump ahead huh don't worry what not you the, I'm talking oh. to the listeners. <laughs> oh. Good, because I'm going to talk about Paper Mario. Um, yeah, it 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 is it is funny. Uh, so Paper Mario, up until this point, um, you know, like the the you've been the world's been turned into origami. You have a sidekick. Her name is Olivia. She's folded up. Whatever. Blah blah blah. Um, and then she ends up. Uh, you end up as you leave the first world, meeting uh, a babom like from Mario, like the, the the bombs that walk with fuses that burn or whatever. He doesn't have a fuse, and he's like, uh, anyway, he's amnesiac, and uh, you you go around with him trying. He's trying to recover his memory, um, and uh, he he goes with you for a good share of two worlds, and then. Uh, Ryan, do you want to take the recap from here? Yeah. So in this instance, you you complete your mission with Bobby and you move into the, the next area where Olivia is crushed by a rock. And they very much, to to the adults in the room, they, they foreshadow what's about to happen. Bobby is very um, cautious in the way he's explaining to Mario. He's just like, you trust me, right? Follow me. We're going to peach the, the peach boat. 
which is this really swank yacht, and uh, you find this uh, this this thing. Um, you're looking for a very precious item that's been put in a lockbox, and it is Bobby's fuse. And again, as a, as you and I playing this game with our kids are f- fully realizing, like, oh. I I wonder how this is going to go. And they very much, again, they foreshadow in that Bobby was knocked out and his fuse was, was sort of broken or, or, or lobbed off. Uh, and But the fuse he goes and gets, like he lost his fuse, the fuse he goes and gets, he also explains that it, it's his friends who, who, who died. So he's got his friend's fuse. And again, you don't have to explain that to your kids because you're reading everything. And if they can't read, you like my kids can't read. Um, I totally yeah. read it all, but yeah, I, keep I, going. I t- again, I read it all as well. I guess we're both <laughs> we we both made our own beds here. Um, so you get the fuse, you go back, and sure enough, uh, Bobby blows himself up to take out this rock. And Ryan did a good job of prefacing the fact that, like, as adults, when you meet a character that is a living bomb, yeah. Um, the the foreshadowing is on the wall, right? And like when he gives his speech right before he puts the fuse, like you don't even see that it's a fuse at first. And like, like he's giving a speech saying about how he's had the time of his life. He's recovered his memory. And thank you so much, Mario. And a bomb's job is to figure out where to make the best impact. And then he, <laughs> he goes and he blows himself up. Um, for us, it's really like, okay, we see where things are going and you're like, oh man, that sucks. But like at the same time, it's not the end of the world. When you're playing with a kid, so I'm playing with a five-year-old who's about to turn six. She is really invested in the story of this game. Like she's like, you know, we're on an adventure. She's totally, she hasn't played a ton of these games where it's like borderline RPG-ish, you know, we've done a, we've done a lot. She's really attached to Olivia. She calls, um, she, you know, can't say Babom and she doesn't call him Bobby. She calls him Bommy. And she's like, oh, I love Bommy and all this. And then when I'm reading Bommy's speech, like, because you're clicking through the text, you can pause it at any time. As soon as you stop clicking, like, the, the scene doesn't proceed. It's not voice acted. She she turns to me when he's saying, like, about how happy he is. And she says, I'm, she says to me with a beaming smile on her face, Oh no. I'm I'm so happy for Bommy. Uh and I at that point my heart sank because I was like, oh no, she has no idea what's about to happen here. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and and uh I'm like, oh God. And then I didn't know what to do because we're like in the middle of the scene and all this. And so then I then I click it through. And when it happens, it takes like I'm I don't I borderline am only watching the scene with half of my eye. Like I'm looking, I'm looking at it. I'm mostly looking directly at my daughter's face. And um, it is just funny because you see her brain processing what's going on. And she's just like, wait, this doesn't make sense. What's going on here? Like you could see her confused. And then they do this scene where Mario's like, no, you know, like, and he's, he's kind of running to her. And even when that's happening, she seems sort of confused. And then there's the explosion. And then she looks like distraught a little bit. And then it's clear bomb, you know, bomby is gone. And she was like, very upset. Like she was like crying. Oh my. Uh, my wife was frustrated because um, she felt that like, <laughs> why am I having her play this game? That's you, you saw it coming as well, like, but you didn't tell her that and she doesn't listen to the show. So no, no, I know like all of that. And, and uh, 
Uh, but honestly, like, like, and it was, it was a rough, like, day. Like, we had to stop playing, and then we went back, and she wanted to see Bommy again, and I, I explained that he's gone, and then there's a brief scene where you see his ghost, uh, mm-hmm. and she was good. She's a bit good with that, but Olivia, the other side character, Mario doesn't talk in the game, has to mourn Bobby, and, like, and, uh, you have to try to make her feel better and all of this. And that helped a little bit. I really do feel like um, it was a good overall process because Gwen let, you know, there's, it's just a fictional character in a video game and it's a bomb. Like, but she had an emotional investment to, and to the end of the game, which we've now finished, she would talk, Oh, it's too bad. Bombie's not here to see this. She would say stuff like that, like three worlds in or whatever. But, at the same point, it taught her how to deal with something uh, to a certain extent, or it it gave her an artificial way of dealing with something like loss. Um, and she really was upset. She had a similar uh, upset moment when one of her animals left Animal Crossing Island. Uh, and uh, but but this was almost this was worse because it was clearly like obviously a death scene. So did you? How did your kids take it? Um. So I think they were young enough that they, it kind of slipped. Uh slipped under the slipped under their radars like they kind of we experienced it and they didn't really understand what happened when when bobby exploded and i was reading some of the texts they they kind of they would ask like where's bobby he's like oh he's gone now he he's a bomb and he blew up uh and again these are probably probably not the way to go um, that was the path I chose and, and, uh, it, it, but it worked out like, then we went, we, we kept playing. They weren't visibly upset, but they were obviously concerned. We kept playing and then we saw Bobby's ghost. And again, I think that helped a lot it, it, for the kids to understand that, um, Bobby did what he had to do and he saved Olivia. Like that was what he wanted to do. And he did it and Olivia's safe and we're going to try to make Olivia feel better. And, um, it was uh, it was one of those moments where I think I dodged a bullet in that if the if Caden was maybe because Caden's four and a half I think if he were a year older and kind of like was grasping fully what was happening I think it would have uh, but like Abby was just like yeah on to the next and Caden you know he he uh, I don't think he understood what happened um, and I and maybe I sugarcoated a little bit and saying like no he's 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 gone he's moved on it's all good like he's he's uh he's done his part <laughs> i mean to, I, and this is the thing i did not anticipate and i know a lot of people reacted this way i did not anticipate this game having uh a pixar moment you know where it is a moment that affects both adults and children and is written in a way where it fits within the universe. Um, there are these funny moments. And in this specific instance, it's like, they just, uh, they just upped us, you know, like, Oh my God, I can't believe they, uh, they did this with a bomb of all the, the enemy yeah, type. Yeah. I mean, what would have been more tough for them would have been to do it with a Goomba. And I'm glad they didn't like, this is the most characterization I've seen for a bomb since yeah. the Mario movie. And that's saying something like, did, did you, um, uh did you finish that game yet not yet we and and here's the thing we kept we've kept we've kept going we're um in the heaven world which is which is interesting because um i'm i'm curious uh and and again i'm curious like when you get to the heaven world did uh uh did gwen ask like oh is bobby here (laughs) 
Oh, no. She didn't think about it as heaven. She thought about it as a spa. It felt like, like to me, it's it, like with no, all the clouds is. and the toads and the... Yeah, but she hasn't been like... She doesn't know about heaven or religion or whatever. We haven't oh, really gotten into that. So for, for her, it's it's not... It, it It is... You're right. It absolutely does to an adult. That's what it's meant to... And there are no toads that are like trapped there, like in other worlds. Well, there's one um, in the fax machine, but I think that's more his own doing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. But uh but uh yeah, so so for me it was just um uh she didn't really she didn't really comment on on Bommy there. Um there's a scene shortly thereafter. You, oh, so you're in the, not to ruin anything cuz I'm I'm not trying to uh and I think there's a way I could say this safely, but like your Bowser's minions are doing all the work around this spa because yeah. uh their castle has crashed in. And so you're going to be going to Bowser's castle. Let me, let's just say you're going to meet other bombs and um, that's uh that's going to have it. You know, that had an impact on Gwen as well. Like uh, meeting the other bombs. I, and uh, yeah, I will say the ending of that game is, is maybe not entirely what you would expect as well. And so uh, we had to have a little conversation, but I won't spoil that for you because you're not there. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, Paper Mario, more challenging than I thought. That said, like the majority of the game is a perfect game to play with an adult and a kid. Like the combat is too complicated for Gwen, Mm -hmm. but she loves the exploration. So, you know, especially when we're uh, combat light areas, I I give her the controller and she, she loves like piloting the boat on the great sea and, and, and all of that stuff. So it's really a, really a great game. Like, um, to play with a uh, five, six-year-old child, I think they or, or or older for that matter, they'll have a great time. With yeah, that game. No, I've uh, we've been really enjoying it, and um, uh, it's the first game where the kids will be uh, not necessarily Abby. Abby's cool checking in out when whenever she's usually with us when we play, but it's been a good tool uh like early in the morning not early early but early enough when we've we started to get isabel back on or on nap tracks so when ashley's putting isabel down like caden and abigail need to be you know contained um and if we're not quite ready for the day i'll say okay let's go downstairs we'll play paper mario for like 20 minutes and then uh we'll we'll head outside and we'll do our thing so it's been it's been a really fun and it's kind of the first game where the three of us have been able to sit for longer than 15 minutes um and and capture their attention they both love mario uh they both love uh this paper mario game and they both can play this is the first time we even if it is just abby kind of hitting the a button to do the combat um or caden for that for that matter as well like they love doing that and caden was like no i want to use the shiny boots and i want to use the you know the the shiny hammer and he's using up all my my super powered items but I still love him and uh he still does a great job taking out enemies so we we are having fun with it we're not quite done yet although it feels like surprisingly going quick i did not think we would have played this much already um i know the yeah. game's been out for a month but yeah it's been fun Go, goes down easy nintendo and their breakable weapons eh they love that shit <laughs> call back <laughs> Um, but, uh, but yeah, the last thing I just wanted to, uh, mention, cause I, I, I have no idea how long the show's been going, but I feel like we'd be going long due to our future shop chat. Um, <laughs> uh, I was going to say like, I'm, I think I might've mentioned on the show at one point that I've been kind of working on a kid's book on the side. Oh, um, I didn't know that. 
Oh yeah. Well, anyway, I, I just uh, like ever since we started <laughs> writing, uh, reading these books to Gwen, we've been reading these chapter books. She's my eldest, so she's like uh, oldest, so she's you know six pretty much. We've been reading these chapter books to her, and and when I say that, it's like they're like you can pretty much read them in two nights. You know, three chapters one night, three chapters the next, six chapters you're you're done. Uh, they're you know they're they're not very length, lengthy books and they're all, and they, they're written um, in a certain way at a certain level and all that. And I remember I, like, cause, cause we were going through them pretty fast. They were buying like often there'd be trilogies of them and like, you know, uh, Clementine or Ivy and bean or whatever. And we would, we would read them and they would, and Gwen would love them and they would go down well, but then they would be over uh, pretty quick and they, you know, cost money. Um, and, uh, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, man, I could write these. Uh, and, uh, so I, and then I, I thought to myself, like I started brainstorming concepts and I came up with a concept and I sort of working on it. And this is one of those things where like, I told myself, you know, during my vacation, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to get a lot of writing in or I'm going to, I'm going to try to, to get something to get, even if it's just something I read for my kids, you know, um, but uh, but of course I didn't get as much done as that I you know I wanted to get done. People say, oh, you've got to set deadlines and stuff. But I'm sort of of the point of view. It's like if I don't feel like doing it, I'm, I'm not necessarily going to do it. So I am I am working on on this book, but it's also it, it's also opened my eyes up to kids' books a little bit. And the fact that um, you know, like both my girls are. Re- I don't know if you read books to your kids at night. Like I read books. Like my my wife and I, we have two kids. So we one of us does one kid's bedtime, one of us does the other. When we were at the cottage and they shared a room, we actually did both of their bedtime at the same time. And then uh, I read books to both of them at once, and that was more challenging because you had to pick a book that was not too boring or basic for Gwen, but Clara, as a two year old, could pick up. But both of them like their stories but i'm reading the same books over and over and over and over uh and it's you know like it's wearing so i'm i'm trying to look for you know new kids books and stuff if anybody has any recommendations for kids books that might be a little off the beaten path i am totally uh up for it ryan you might know a ton i'm not sure well it's um yeah, we read a lot of books. Uh, funny enough, um, most of our books that we get for the kids are usually like Ashley. She goes, she does the Facebook groups. Um, she's got she, one time, literally, there was someone saying, "We've got a box of books. We're going to give them away," and uh, she would just go pick them up. And that the kids really like that. They just they're able to get a whole new set of books uh, and tear through them. The there's a book I'm getting. It's coming out in September, I think early September, and it's based on uh, the PS4 God of War game, and it's called uh, B is for Boy, and it's done in this very stylized art, very much God of War, but it's a children's book. So I'm good. I'm getting it. I'm gonna I'm gonna obviously peruse it before I read it to the kids because the art looks really cool. So I'm gonna read it. I'm gonna check make sure with Ashley it's okay for the kids, which I'm sure it is because it's a kids book. I need to preface that. I'll read it and I will I will get bring a review to this here podcast and we'll talk about it. But that's when it comes to children's book, that's the first one that pops into my mind because I, I keep seeing it like in my Amazon orders, like, oh, it's coming soon. So From yeah. the maker from the makers of the Mortal Kombat children's book, K is for combat. Yeah. We'll see. I don't know. I, it, it's it's a kid's F book. F is for fatality. Um, 
<laughs> no, F is for friendship. If it's the kids' book, uh, <laughs> those are Mortal Kombat jokes, Ryan. They kill literally. They do, yeah. Fatality, f- friend, friendship. I don't know. Friend, friendship. Um, yes. No, that that's that's interesting. B is for boy. Uh, that be, that does make me laugh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I I'm anything like at this point as long as there's not ultra violence in it. I'm I'm. Uh, I'm I'm good uh, for for uh, finding stuff, and maybe you're right. Like there, there's a lot of people that say like, oh, you know, I can just get go up to a, a secondhand store and get like this box full of books. And you're right for sure. It just does feel like certain certain books are seemingly ubiquitous, and we have most of them. Um, and uh, you know, one thing when with with an audience for a show like this that might be outside of the normal range, there may be some interesting uh, suggestions. Because I I don't know about you, like, but in Canada, like we're big on Robert Munch books, which are awesome, but uh, are very Canadian. You know, like uh, I I'm not sure how how popular. Maybe the Paper Bag Princess is popular in or, or known in the states, but a lot of the other stuff maybe not as much. But they're, they're great. It's just uh, they're the regulars, and then you know, Good Night Moon and all of that stuff that everybody has. So, yeah, no, there's a there's a lot of like the the ones that everyone's everyone's read. So uh, if anyone, actually, funny enough, if anyone does have some some solid recommendations for kids books, I'm always looking. Like we've been. We've been kind of leaning towards uh so we were doing the Ber- Bernstein Bears books before bed but oh, even yeah. if you even if you have 10 of them you still end up going through them like uh just crazy yeah. it, I I I Caden's gotten to the point where long, he can, too. They are long. Yeah, and and Caden's got to the point where he can like recite them based on looking at the page and I'm like okay, clearly we need to mix it up. <laughs> so we uh we we we've kind of moved towards having like a larger book. It's I think it's like a Y book. And it's just all these questions and explaining the answers, like why, why do I sweat? Why does garbage smell? Why do I cry when I cut onions? It's like because you're killing them. No, um, although it kind of did start like that, and we. So that's what we've been doing is we've been just doing like five or six pages at the end of the day, and it's been a nice break because you know you're not gonna read. And then when you get through the book, you put it aside like it lasts the week. So that's that's kind of what we've been doing for bed bedtime routine, and I've quite enjoyed it. And it allows you to read the larger books that the kids want to read, um, but you don't want to sit on the couch and finish. At least with bedtime, it's like, oh, you got to go to bed, so this is the last page, and you can kind of just earmark it. Like that's that's been our sort of routine, and it's been really good because it's been it's allowed the kids to read the larger books, and it it doesn't have me like sitting on the couch for hours reading through uh, reading through the Y book. <laughs> Which is it, it's funny, like uh, my kids are really like Clara, the two year old kind of like those books, though, especially if they have like bit um, flaps, like lift the flap that you could look at. Um, she she really likes that. Uh, but uh, it, only recently have I realized how much she likes books. She's constantly bringing them to us and saying, can you read this? Can you read this? But recently we lost a book. I don't know where it is. It's called Click Clack Moo, Cows the Type. Um, and it's about these cows that have a typewriter. Bottom line is that we can't find the book. She asks for it all the time. And she says, like, is, uh, where's Click Clack Moo? Where's Click Clack Moo? Is it? Uh, and then I, I'll say it's lost. And now 
now she will say like i want click clack moo it's like every night i'll be like what book do you want to read she's like click clack moo i'm gonna have to buy that book again which is crazy like that she she's latched onto it and that's what she does she latches onto these books so anyway um when i eventually publish my masterpiece uh, I will be sure to uh, to mention more details on the show, but I don't want to mention them beforehand in case somebody listens and then rips them off and I have to sue them in this giant publishing battle and it'll be brutal, you know? Mm-hmm. No, yeah, we knew we know you're very litigious. Yes, yeah. obviously. Yeah. I'm Canadian. We all are, right? Um but uh but oh yeah i i guess i'm the host hey do we have any do we have any uh, listener feedback this week we don't but i imagine we'll have plenty next week when we when we get all the people tweeting us excellent podcast episodes not our own like we get a you know, you want to play to crofton's vanity and send us his own episodes but also books and i know you want to play to crofton's vanity don't send him his book even though <laughs> it's not published yet it's not published but they can still recommend <laughs> <laughs> I recommend the book you're writing, Croft, and it's probably amazing. Um, See, yeah, exactly. So, you wrote them the tweet, so now just you know recommend other books. Yeah, no, that's probably that's probably a good idea. So yeah, books. You know, you can future shop memories. Ooh, we're, yeah. we're 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 up for those. Like any of those, you want, you can send them to dad at tgistudios.com. Um, you can uh, tweet them at us because we're both on Twitter. I'm at Croft and Steers and Ryan's at R Murphy. Um, you could obviously visit us on the web, tgistudios.com slash dad. That's where all our websites are, uh, our, our websites, all our previous episodes are. Um, and you can go back and listen and rank them and decide which one's your favorite one. Ryan actually reminded me or, or reminded me he told me the other day that we've been doing this podcast for like two years now which feels like some sort of achievement so yeah good job ryan it is odd that we've been doing this for two years it feels like a lot uh a lot less right not a lot more a lot less uh it two years is kind of it, it, time flies i think is the, when you uh, have kids yeah 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 and because i remember like we did the first episode before clara was born like yes. my my she and she's like well over two now so i mean yeah this podcast we, has had the longest you know gestation period for any project i've worked on podcast wise and that we we talked in january we recorded the first episode in the march of that year and then i think we were like we need to get you back into a uh, stable recording situation so we waited uh i think we did another episode in the summer and then we were ready to release in the fall um, I yeah. think I was holding us up at that point because we wanted to get some uh, some artwork put together. It makes me feel bad because, like, it, it, in that time, you've had like seven kids, and, and yeah, and uh, I didn't miss a beat. You, I take a week you off. Know, yeah, yeah, you take a week <laughs> off. Uh, yeah. Meanwhile, I'm just like, I got one kid. I need to take half a year to readjust. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I but, don't know what. Maybe maybe you're you 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 just you did it better. And and this is like. Maybe this is starting this is starting a new project right we're not talking about you're already in this like schedule right we're talking about we're going to start a new project we're going to add this new layer onto your already busy schedule um true. and speaking of which uh the the next episode will be released a week later than you probably would normally expect because i am taking a week off i'm going to recharge relax not do any editing and uh we'll uh we'll be back in in three weeks Yep. 
And uh, that's, you know, like in in the meantime, uh, you'll have lots of time to think of uh, mail to send us and uh, to uh, to visit those future shops, satire accounts that I mentioned and see what the future still has and will eternally have in store. So that will do it for this episode of Dungeons and Diapers. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Ryan. Enjoy your week off. And we will be back in your feed sooner, hopefully, rather than later. Bye, everyone. Say bye, Ryan. Bye, Ryan. Oh, Lord. Yeah. <laughs>